Good morning. So tomorrow, guys, we're going to talk about silence. Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to get together and not say anything for an hour. <laughs> Just kidding. I did want, came to mind yesterday because a lot, I don't know, you would know a lot of things go on in the building here, a lot, busy almost every day, all day. So I want to just thank those who, who tend to the upkeeping of our building. Some are on staff and many volunteers, but for Bobby and Gabina, Amy, Michael, David, Yadir, and there's others, would you just give it up for those guys? Could they come in, tear it down, set it up, and all that? So, so would you stand? We're in Mark chapter 13. I'm going to read verses verse 3 through 6, or through 8, and then the verses that will be reading to focus in on watching for Jesus this morning. What, when will these things be? So in Mark chapter 13, beginning of verse 3, I'm in the New King James Version. If you're in a different one, that's great. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, verse 3, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of all these, when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answered and began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. Verse 7, But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Now verse 32, but of that day and hour, no one knows his return. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So this morning, watching for Jesus. Uh, in Psalm 119, we're up to verse 121. Interesting, your servant three times in this little eight, and we're going to talk about being the servant this morning. So in verse 20, 121, I'll read the, that verse in the odd, if you'll read 122 in the even, and then I'll pray. So Psalm 119. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. So, Lord, we bow before you, we, our hearts, our minds, our wills to your word. And we want to ask, Lord, that you would take and now grant us the ministry of the Holy Spirit to our minds, how we think, to our hearts kind of how we're deliberating on things that we might obey you, do the things that are written as he says, they're your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies, that I may keep them. We may walk according to them. The things I prepared, Lord, I pray you'd break them fresh and feed us. We are hungry. 
And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We do not live by bread alone, but every word. So grant, I pray, the Holy Spirit working through the word of God to change our lives. Bless this time now, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, and so you can be seated. So there are four things I want to talk to you about, and I'll give them to you as we take, as we, as I share on them. They're really kind of a fabric of all the three different texts that are talking about this from the same place that Mark is at. And the first one is, as far as watching for Jesus, to be watching for Jesus as one warned and wise. Jesus answered and began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. In this passage, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the master of the house is coming. And he says, what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, same context, but when but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant? That's the question. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. So it is possible, in fact, I would say it's tragically common to be warned and foolish. To hear warnings and then not follow up on them. To be wise means responding sensibly or shrewdly to a particular situation. So Jesus is going to talk about this in our next study in Matthew 25. But in Luke, the same passage, he warned them to be wise. Luke 21, take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And we know that Jesus in the parable of the sower talked about those on, on shallow ground, no depth. It will, because it says that, the day, the, unless the day comes upon you unexpectedly, for it will, it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. So we need to be watching for Jesus as warned and wise. Hearing what's being said and then asking the Holy Spirit as believers to help us in knowing how to, t how to follow up on these things. How to shrewdly and sensibly, concerning the, the, the situations that we see before us, how do I respond to those? What am I to do? So in Matthew chapter 25, we'll be getting this, but this is what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were what? Wise, but five were foolish. So he's going to follow up on this warning about being foolish or being wise and what that looks like. So we'll be getting that in our next study. So be watching also, secondly, for Jesus, by finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. Would you say amen to that? We're watching for Jesus by finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Matthew 24, again, all these are connected to our Matthew text. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as, the day, as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. He's warning them. 
He's looking to the days of Noah. Now, in these days, our 21st century world is far removed from the days of Noah. However, things are just as bad. It's the same kinds of things that God is looking down upon on earth. People are living as though God doesn't exist. People have no answer, no, they have no awareness of a coming judgment. People hear God's word, they hear the gospel and reject it outright. As the days of Noah, there, were, there was abnormal, abominable, even demonic sexual practices going on. The days of Noah, the heart of man was irreparably evil, bent on evil. The days of Noah, there was violence that filled the earth. I read for every 1,000 crimes committed, two criminals are brought to justice. As the days of Noah were, so a day is coming when God will swiftly put an end to man's rebellion and evil. Now, he's long-suffering, not when any should perish. Now, he says then, verse 40 of Matthew chapter 24, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Some believe that Jesus is referring to the rapture. This would, this would take place later, and it was revealed to Paul as a mystery for the church to know. This mystery of this rapture. Now, during the great tribulation, it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be worse than it's ever been on earth. When the rapture takes place, it's up for debate. But it will be a sudden snatching away of the church. And will certainly catch those left behind by surprise. As I read this context, though, it seems to indicate that Jesus is not speaking of a deliverance. He's speaking of a judgment. Not those that are taken in judgment, because that's what he's saying. They're taken until the flood came and took them all away. Judgment would not come until the ark was completed. Noah and his family in there safely with all the animals. Then God shut them in himself and judgment came and destroyed them all. So Matthew goes on to say, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master, same kind of warning, if the master of the house had known what, the, what hour the thief would come, he would, not, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Judgment is coming. What about your house? He's warning against these people, their houses, their families. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man. Again, this same warning repeatedly is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed, so Jesus is saying we're like servants. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all. There, was rewards. there are rewards coming based on faithfulness to the responsibilities given. But notice this. If that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, which is really how he's living his life, and an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrite. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is strong language and a strong warning. And listen, this is in the days of Noah, but he's saying, hey, what about you in these days? That word, it says, is evil servant. Interesting. That, e- that word evil in the Greek means something which was once good. Which something bad, good had, be- had gone bad. It would be the word used to describe an instrument out of tune. Or a piece of fruit gone rotten. That evil servant. So, what are the warning signs that he's talking about here? That servant, that person, grows weary of patiently waiting and watching. He begins hardening his heart by dismissing the word and the warnings therein. The servant begins taking offense against his fellow servants who are continuing to carry on in the faith and hope and love. There's a breach now because they want to live apart from these things. In Hebrews, we are warned here, there. Therefore, in verse 7 of chapter 3, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, that's a key word, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts, in their heart. They have not known my ways. He says, beware, brother, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. What? In departing from the living God. So warning. Be warned and wise. Then also to be finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. We need the grace of God. He goes on. But exhort one of the daily widows called today. Lest any of you be hardened through what? The deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, stay at it. Don't lose your confidence in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Trust him. While well, I said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have, you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while... And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But notice what he says. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. We're staying at it. We're trusting God. We're believing God. Be watching for Jesus by finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. As the days of Noah were, in Genesis chapter 5, or six rather, we read this. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Days of Noah. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the earth, for I am sorry that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If we're going to be watching for Jesus, we've got to be finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. Lest we forget 
only by the grace of God are any of us saved from judgment and the wrath to come. Only by the grace of God. We are watching for Jesus as sinners longing for the Savior. As those who have been saved by grace through faith. Those who have received the riches of God at Christ's expense. So we think we're watching. It's only by the grace of God. And when, when this whole thing, I think Peter, who told Jesus, I will never deny you. I'm going to stay faithful to you. These might all, but I'll never do that. And only hours later, he would do exactly that, as Jesus knew he would. This, this is one of a few different pictures that I have that break my heart. In God's love for Peter, and thus God's love for me. Because when he denied Jesus that third time, and the rooster crows... Luke tells us this, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let me say to you, that's what the grace of God does. That's how we find the grace in the eyes of the Lord. That he would be that, he knows you. It's like he's saying to Peter, Peter, I know you. So they have this, they catch, he catches Jesus' eyes, eyes, Peter catches his eye, Jesus, Peter's. Not a word was spoken, but heaven was speaking clearly about the grace of God for Peter. Jesus knew what he would do. He knew him before, and he knows you, and he knows me. And he looks at us in the eye. There are times when we're found out, and it's the grace of God that breaks our hearts. He doesn't destroy us on the spot. In my daily reading through the Bible, yesterday's passage was 1 Peter chapter 1. The best commentary of the Bible is the Bible. And here is Peter's commentary on grace. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the knowledge according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Grace to you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to the, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Oh, we're watching. You have not seen, but you love him. Though now you do not see him, yet believe in you, rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied, here it is, of the grace that would come to you. 
the prophets, the grace of God. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. He was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through, the, through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory as your faith and hope are in God. Watching for Jesus, finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. That God is gracious. This inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, the faith's not away. It's reserved in him. That's the grace of God. Paul, writing to Titus, said the grace of God that brings salvation to all men. Notice, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And here it is, looking, looking, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. So <laughs> find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look into the eyes of Jesus and realize that's the grace of God for you as we're watching. I felt like the Lord gave me something directly. I was almost transcribing it. I want to share it at the end. But I want to say in this particular context at this point, God's grace is everything. It's everything. None of us is going to escape anything were it not for the grace of God. Third, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. The question they ask is, when, pray tell, will we see the Son of Man coming in the clouds? When, when? When's it going to happen? Listen, no one knows, you don't know, and I don't know. In the parable of the fig tree, he illustrates that we must be aware of the season, but we won't know the exact time. Jesus would be going away not knowing when he would return. The question is not if he will return. The question is solidly answered, he will return. So in the meantime, he has given responsibilities to his servants. He's giving them a job, us a job to do. And he expected that they would be faithful to begin it right when he left and continue until he came back. They knew he wouldn't be right back, but they knew he was coming back. We read in the book of Acts, the former account I made, O Theophilus, all that Jesus began to do and teach, O lover of God. Until the day he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to his apostles, he presented he present himself alive by many infallible truths. So he appeared to them for 40 days. He's giving them commandments. He's telling them what's coming up. He's saying, you've got a job. You've got a responsibility that I'm giving to you as my servants. And being assembled together, Acts chapter 1, he commanded not to depart from Jerusalem. You stay put. But to wait for the promise 
from the, of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. I've told you about this. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then we pick it up in verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They just, when, when? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's the job. Here's the responsibility. Very simple, covers everything. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Local moves out. Be witness. That word is actually martyr. You are going to be living your life in such a way that people will know I myself live and love them. Preaching the gospel. So the promise is you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And the job is be my witnesses. So it doesn't matter if you're in Cyprus or Kent. The job's the same. The responsibility is the same as servants. To be his witnesses wherever he's put you, wherever he's put me. To serve him in such a way that people know who I serve. And said, when he spoke of these things, they watched. He was taken up, and cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and you would be doing the same thing, and so would I. He went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming again, and we're watching. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the only way that we are going to be witnessing to Him. It's simple, it's powerful, it's personal. All for the believer and all for the asking. Be filled with the Spirit. Be ye being, Ephesians, which I'll read in a minute, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. So how does that happen? I have my ABC. Number one, ask up in prayer. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, the Lord, will, the, will your father, Heavenly Father give what? Who? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. Because that's the most important ask, the Holy Spirit. So ask up in prayer. Believe in the promise. This promise is to you and to your children, all who are far off. This promise that God gave to us as believers is the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit operating our lives. So I ask up in prayer, I believe the promise, and then see, I carry on in the power. Now my view of that, my experience in that is that I may not feel anything. But I've asked up in prayer, I believe in the promise, I'm not living sinfully as far as I know. And then as I go about now, I know the Lord's going to back up what I'm doing and obey Him with the power of the Holy Spirit. I may not feel it, but I'm believing it, and I'm carrying on in it. Now, as far as your relationship with the Holy Spirit, as believers, first, the Holy Spirit was with you before salvation. Jesus said that in John. I'll look at these scriptures in a moment. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is in you at salvation. So with you, in you, and then this upon, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, he will come upon you, epi, is uh, that, that uh, 
in or subsequent to salvation. With you before salvation, in you at salvation, upon you, either at the same time or subsequent to uh, salvation. Now, call it what you want. Call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Call the power of the Holy Spirit. Call it whatever you want. The fact, the simple matter is, we must have the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a continual understanding we have to ask God. Ask up in prayer, believe in the promise, carry on the power. Ask up in prayer, believe in the promise, carry on. We, God has granted to us this power of the third person of the Godhead. So in John chapter 7, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And, and he who believes me, as the scripture has said, out of, his, out of his heart will flow torrents of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is something that happened after Jesus ascended into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit on the church, birthing the church. So my question when I read that is, is that your experience and your relationship with God as a witness of, to Jesus Christ? Torrents of living water. See, that's what Jesus, that's what it's going to be like. Torrents of living water. In John chapter 14, I will pray the Father who will give you another helper, that he may abide, another helper of the same kind, that he may abide you through the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells, here it is, with you and will be in you. So when Jesus rose from the dead and was resurrected and then met the disciples, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now if Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, I believe he they received the Holy Spirit and born again after his resurrection. So, in Ephesians chapter 5, applying this to watching for Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, Paul to the Ephesians wrote this, see then that you walk circumspectly. You got the big picture. You're watching in the rearview mirror, the side mirrors. You're turning your head, looking around. So you don't sideswipe the guy next to you because he's right in your blind spot. That's what just happened. Walk circumspectly. Notice, not as fools. Be warned and wise. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's wise. That's wisdom. And do not be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be ye, literally, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, it's a command. Ask up in prayer, believe in the promise, carry on in the, in the power. Ask up in prayer, believe in the promise, carry on the power. I'm reminding you of these things because I need a continual reminder. I can walk through weeks without my mind. I, I need the power of the Holy Spirit here. Now, thankfully, God is faithful when I'm faithless. But to be aware of the fact that we have this, this uh, person, of the, it's incredible. Never had that in the Old Testament. But now as the church, we've been given the Holy Spirit of God. We're, born, we're made alive by the Holy Spirit of God, born again by the Spirit of God. We're then sanctified by the Spirit of God. And then we're empowered by the Spirit of God working in us to will to do what pleases Him. And it caused, that's the only way we're going to bear fruit that remains. 
The final thought, we've talked about a lot of these things already, but the final thought, number four, is be watching for Jesus once saved to serve the master. Why were you saved? Why was I saved? Because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And to whom was I saved? To him who is my master. He's my servant. In fact, Paul said, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, there's no greater freedom than being a slave of Jesus. Serving him. Full tilt. With all my gifts and talent. And all my treasures. In his hands as my master, whom I'm accountable to. So, in Matthew 25, who, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household? Brothers and sisters, look, that's us. So we're watching for Jesus as one saved. We're saved to serve the master. I have no other master. We cannot serve two masters. Jesus said that. But there's just one. We are his servants. We are his bond slaves. We are servants of the master. We're slaves of the master. Now, just as a little glimpse of what's coming. In Revelation 21, 1 through 5. In Revelation 22, 1 through 5. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for the bride. We're, 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 we're heading to a wedding, brothers and sisters. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. In John chapter 1, it says, He tabernacled among us. The tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Whoo! <laughs> then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, write for these words are true and faithful. That's our master. Revelation 22. He showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its streets. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there was no more curse. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Here it is. And his servants shall serve him. Unhindered by this crazy world in which we live. Unhindered with the sins that so easily beset us. But in this new Jerusalem, in this new place, there he is. We're going to be at the throne of God. The Lamb shall be there. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. Now, why on their foreheads? Because every time I look at you, I'm going to see Jesus. I can't see my forehead, but everyone who sees me sees Jesus. Everyone, everyone who sees you sees Jesus. They shall see his face on his forehead. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light for the sun, of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever. Is it worth Whatever it takes as a servant of Jesus Christ, you bet it is. And what we're going to experience is going to be so out of this world. And I think there will be, as Paul said, there'll be some loss standing before the judgment seat of Christ. But thankfully, that loss is God taking 
get out of the picture once for all. We can stand before him in glory. So in closing, some, here's what came to mind, and I'm writing, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. Some of you need a fresh touch from God to lift the burden you've been carrying far too long. Let me say it again. Some of you need a fresh touch from God to lift the burden you've been carrying far too long. Number one, the burden that you are never quite good enough. Of course you aren't. Neither am I. Who is sufficient for these things, Paul said? None. But his grace is sufficient. Who is worthy? Let me tell you who's worthy. Only God the Father, God the Lamb of God, and God the Holy Spirit is worthy. And that's going to be very clear when we stand in that place before his throne. Who is called? Well, Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. Who is chosen? Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen. That's the question. Who has God chosen? To be in his house, to be his servant, to be the one who he gives responsibility. Who, who has God called? God has called the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's me. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are mighty. That's me. And really, anyone that's, that is living in reality understands that that's them too. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised three times again, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's the reason, that no flesh will glory in his sight. Jesus on my forehead. And he says this, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. The gospel. Who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, it, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Could I have the worship team come up? The burden that, you're ne you, you, the burden that you are never quite good enough. May the Holy Spirit touch your heart, touch your life, raise you up and say, no one is, but he is. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly about all that we ask or think. That he was able to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The God alone was wise, the honor and glory forever. And I just say, let's get our eyes on Jesus. The second thing that came to mind is the burden that it's too late. Watching for Jesus too late. Now I refer you again today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. As in the rebellion. Today is the day of salvation. Yes. It is too late for yesterday. But never for today. So if that's for you. Come to him. You see, there's also the burden that you just can't bear some things right now. 
It's too much. Let Jesus help you. As he said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle. God is so gentle when we come to him and bear our burdens to him and cast all our cares upon him. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. There is no other place of rest except at the feet of Jesus. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Watching for Jesus as one warned and wise, as one finding grace in the eyes of the Lord, as one being filled with the Holy Spirit, and as one saved to serve the Master. Would you stand? Let's close with this song and then I'll pray.